0: The title of my message is "How Darkness Enters and What to Do About It." How darkness enters and what to do about it. It's a privilege also today to have Yaku here, uh, Yaku Bucas, and his wife Elrika. Um, for those who don't know, they're old friends of ours, and Yaku is one of the best sound people one of the best sound engineers in Hauteng, so it's a privilege to to have him here with us amen, amen. praise God are you expectant this morning yes. okay how many of you know that life is not fair life is not fair and if you go into this life thinking that life is fair you'll be offended Amen? Amen. Life is not fair. Someone once said, you don't get what you deserve, you get what you fight for. You don't get what you deserve, you get what you fight for. And what I've realized is that there are different types of Christians. You have the Christian who thinks there's no fight. You know the Christians who don't believe in deliverance. They believe that just because I'm saved, everything is fine. How many of you have been in a situation where you're owed money by a particular institution but you have to fight to get it? How many of you have been in situations where you're owed money, maybe it's a refund? Come on, last week I was telling about some of the refunds that I needed for certain flights, certain plane tickets, and one of them took me about six months to get. I think I was told it'll take four to six weeks. Right? How many of you have been in a situation where you, are, you have money that is rightfully yours, but you have to fight to get it? How many of you know that there are things that Jesus has died for that are rightfully yours, but they don't just come to you automatically? And one of the deceptions, I believe, that's going around the body of Christ is that it's just automatic because you're saved. Those of you who don't believe in spiritual warfare, please, only come and state your case if you've got perfect breakthrough in your life because I'm tired of Christians saying no 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 this warfare thing we don't need it we don't need it but I can't see the results in that person's life amen so you have different types of Christians there are those who don't believe there's a fight and then there are those who don't know how to fight And I think many people in the body of Christ are in that situation. They know that there's a devil out there. They know that evil spirits are real. But they don't know how to engage in spiritual warfare. Come on now. This is the freedom series. Amen? They don't know how to engage in spiritual warfare. They're ignorant. And the Bible tells us that my people perish because of their lack of knowledge. Not because they don't know anything at all, but because of their lack of knowledge. Could it be that you're one of those people who fits into that category where you're not experiencing breakthrough because of your own ignorance? But the good news is you can do something about it. So we have these different types of Christians. There's the Christian who does what? Who does not believe that there's a fight. Then there's the other Christian who knows there's a fight, but they don't know how to wrestle. In the spirit, then there's an interesting category of believer. They're fighting, but they're fighting the wrong entity. I'm here to tell you this morning that your wife is not your enemy, or your future wife. Amen. Your husband is not your enemy, or your future husband. I thought all the single ladies would say, "Amen." <laughs> The Bible is very clear, and it tells me that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, in other words, human beings, but against powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, and rulers of darkness. Those are different dimensions of warfare, and we'll go into that as the weeks go by. And I promise you when you have that revelation that there are certain wicked spirits, unclean spirits that have been assigned against you and your destiny, you begin to fight and you fight with intelligence. Amen. And so today we're going to continue our teaching and I want to share with you on how darkness actually enters and what to do about it. How darkness enters and what to do about it. The darkness we are speaking about today is specifically demonic spirits. Specifically, demonic spirits. How many of you know that if you look at Jesus' ministry that is recorded, where we see the count of his ministry in the Gospels, you will see that a large percentage of his ministry involved casting out demons. So please don't tell me that you want to be like Christ, but somehow you want to cut out the part of dealing with evil spirits. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of Christians who like to pick and choose things in the Bible. Oh, we'll just take this part. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Oh, we'll just take this part. Yes, may God just multiply good things in my life. The feeding of the 5,000. Oh, that's a nice one. What about the time when Jesus says, get out, you deaf and dumb spirits? Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to be like Jesus. Not just some aspects of him. Not just what's socially acceptable about Jesus. Some people have this mindset that, oh no, if Jesus lived today, it would be different. You've heard that before, right? We've always got an excuse to not do what the Bible says we must do. I shared with you last week that the first sign that Jesus speaks of when he says, and these will be the signs of the believer. They will do what? What's the first thing Jesus says? They will cast out demons. They will cast out evil spirits. Jesus said that. So if we're going to talk this morning about how darkness enters, we need to talk about this darkness and just describe what we're talking about. So what are demons? What are demons? Demons are disembodied spirits. They're disembodied spirits. In other words, spirits without bodies. And they're very, very real. Amen? That's what they are. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 11 verse 24 to 26. It says when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I will return to my house, may it, may it not be your house. I will return to my house from which I came this is not a nice subject to teach on you know sometimes we want to be positive in churches and so on you know even as a preacher you're like oh no i don't want to do a whole message on demons and originally i was just going to speak on how darkness enters and i thought no that's too negative negative. and that's why i'm also going to add and what we can do about it amen <laughs> all right but the devil doesn't want us to teach these things i mean if you know that it's important to know your enemy please say to the person next to you it's important to know your enemy say to someone else your enemy ain't your mama not your hubby (laughs) not your pastor yeah there's a devil on the loose all right i will return to my house from which i came and when he comes he finds it swept and put in order then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there and the last state of the man is worse than the first how many of you have been in situations where you pray for someone who is sick and you rebuke a spirit of infirmity and what happens at some point they end up dying but just before they die Everyone is saying, but we don't understand because it seemed like they were so much better. How many of you have had that situation? It seemed like they got so much better and we all got relaxed. I believe that a lot of times because a lot of sicknesses are demonically inspired, demonically initiated, sometimes what happens is you can rebuke a spirit of infirmity from someone and it goes out. But if that person is not discipled, If Jesus doesn't come and stand in the gap where the the hole that was left. Remember we spoke about topos last week. Territory. That's the Greek word for territory. If Jesus doesn't fill that gap, those demons that went off can get others that are more wicked coming back. And so with this scripture, we find something very interesting that these are disembodied spirits. They go out of a man, but they don't. Come to a place of rest until they find a body to go into, a body to affect, a body to influence. Is everyone following? All right. That's how they operate. So they're looking and they're searching for an opportunity. Remember when Jesus was tempted, what happened? It says the devil left him. Angels came and attended to him. But it says the devil left him for an opportune time how many of you know that sometimes in life you have breakthrough and the enemy will leave you and you feel like "Whoo, i'm fine now pastor i don't have that issue anymore but just remember that demonic spirits are looking for opportunities amen and it's important for us to know what that evil day is remember we saw that last week right stand firm so you can resist in the what in the evil day what's the evil day for you First John chapter 5 verse 19 says we know that we are children of God. Yes, we are, amen. amen. And that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. How does the enemy, how does the devil, Satan, control the whole world? Because the Bible here says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. He does it through his minions. He does it through these disembodied spirits that seek to accuse, that seek to influence the way people think, the way people see, that seek to control circumstances. He does it that way. Amen. So we see some things about demons just by looking at these passages of Scripture. Demons are distinct, and I want to say this because it's quite important. They're distinct from fallen angels but they work in sync with them. Now I know you've probably heard it being taught that demons are fallen angels. But remember the characteristics of angels. Angels have wings. Angels have spiritual bodies, don't they? Amen? Do you ever hear of angels trying to get into people's bodies? no you don't okay so now there are a lot of things different theologians say about the origin of these demonic spirits but the important thing to understand is they're not the same as fallen angels but they work in sync with them i believe that when you look at the rankings of spiritual wickedness in high places rulers of darkness when people like daniel would talk about the prince of persia wrestling against michael remember that Alright? I believe that you're talking there about a fallen angel, when you're talking about the prince of Persia, when you're talking about principalities, right? You don't often hear of, oh, there was this principality that tried to enter person X. Okay? They might have tried to influence them. But I believe that they work in sync with these disembodied spirits. And it's not my purpose this morning to go into the different theories about the origin of these disembodied spirits it's just important to know and to distinguish them from fallen angels all right they're restless until they find a body to work through they're restless until they find a body to work through it's important to understand that that for demons actually function they operate through people amen they operate through people they don't just float around in isolation oh i'm this terrible demon causing havoc okay they function through people and that's why you remember when jesus was interacting with peter he was able to at one moment recognize that peter saw him as the messiah and he says flesh and blood has not revealed this to you right remember when he says that to peter But do you remember what also happened around that same time? He says, get thee behind me, Satan. When Peter was basically saying to him, no, uh uh-uh, Jesus, don't do this cross thing. You remember that? Which shows me that you can have someone functioning by revelation, influenced by the Holy Spirit, but also at another time in their life, even a few hours later, they can also say something, but it's not from the Spirit of God. That's a scary thought, isn't it? And Jesus was able to recognize it and he spoke not to Peter, but he spoke to the spirit and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. I know some people are thinking, yeah, no, pastor, that's true. I should start saying that to my husband. Yeah, okay. So all these years, it hasn't been my husband. It's the devil. (laughs) Often when you teach on deliverance, you have people coming and saying like, pastor, my husband has got demons in him. probably true probably has you see one of the big deceptions that has crept into the body of Christ is that if you're a Christian and you are filled with the Holy Spirit then demons have nothing to do with you and you are fine I want to tell you that is not the case that is not the case when you are born of the spirit your spirit man is regenerated so you can't have a demon living inside your spirits But it's not true to say that there are areas of our lives that are impossible to occupy just because we are Christians. That are impossible for the enemy to occupy and to influence. How many of you know that sometimes when someone, for example, is deaf and they can't hear, sometimes there's actually a, a deaf spirit occupying a particular body part, the nerves that cause that person to hear. And as you go deeper into the journey of praying for the sick, you start realizing that a lot of illnesses are spirits of infirmity that have affected people. And it's important that we are wise. It's important that we are clued up with regards to how to get rid of them. Amen. Demons prefer going underground than being cast out. So they like to hide. And that's why very often you'll find in a church service when there's a powerful move of the Spirit, some people have to leave. They literally leave. It's not because they wanted to leave, but there certain demons, and it's usually the demons that stop people from coming to church, that l- literally can't be there anymore. And the sad thing for those people is they leave with that particular Spirit. They start feeling restless. They start feeling restless in an ignite in a church service and they leave they can't be there anymore instead of being wise and saying "Uh uh-uh this is the devil the devil made me do it this is the devil this is this is the demon and i'd rather it gets cast out and i remain here are you hearing me i'd rather this thing is cast out and i remain instead of me going with it they prefer going underground than being cast out Let me give you an example of this. I remember some time back, some years ago, praying for a particular guy. He had been through all sorts of stuff. I remember praying for him, and I prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that he ends up, you know, filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, speaking in other tongues. But he began to speak in a tongue, but I could see it was a demonic tongue right? And the devil would have wanted me to just be like, it's cool, he's speaking in tongues now, it's fine, but there was something unclean about it. And sometimes when that happens, you have to rebuke a religious spirit that is pretending to be doing something spiritual, but it's not actually the Lord. So I rebuked it, and afterwards we prayed again, and he spoke in these wonderful, amazing, beautiful tongues. Does that make sense? Okay, so the devil very often likes to hide and act in a certain way. I remember a particular friend of mine got someone saved and this guy suddenly started singing an old hymn, an old traditional hymn. Now it would have been easy for this friend of mine to just think, cool, this guy's singing a hymn. He's now a religious person. Oh, he loves Jesus, but he recognized that it was a religious spirit trying to make him appear very spiritual and he rebukes that particular religious spirit amen so we see that the devil likes to go underground instead of being cast out could it be could it be that you're being affected spiritually by all sorts of stuff but it calls itself something else and you're fine with it could it be i'm gonna go into that We also see from the scripture that there are varying degrees of wickedness. There are varying degrees of wickedness. And that's why this one comes out of a man and goes and finds others more wicked than itself. And the condition of this person ends up worse than it had been at the start. So when someone says, oh, I think I've got this demon. And someone else says, oh, I think there's this demon harassing me. Please note that they've got varying degrees of wickedness. And that's why sometimes those of you involved in casting out demons, you will know that there's some that are more difficult to get out of someone than others. And it's not always the ones that you think will be the easiest to leave that leave. Amen? they often function in groups how often do you hear of crime in this nation you hear of it a lot isn't it right how often do you hear that it was just one person involved very often they operate in in groups in gangs I remember experiencing some ATM fraud, you know when you go to the ATM and there's some dubious, dubious characters around you, but the guys were operating in a pair as a team, but they were acting like they didn't know each other, amen? So they're operating gangs, and that's why it's important as we minister freedom to people, if someone is... Is experiencing themselves being loosed from a particular spirit say to yourself from my experience which other spirits go hand in hand with this one amen I know that often if you deal with a spirit of rejection that someone is facing what does that often go with often rejection will go with self-pity often it will also go with addiction a lot of people who are addicted in terms of substance abuse right you will find that very often we like to focus on the branch And we're like, oh, stop smoking. Oh, cut it off. Oh, this alcohol abuse. Oh, this. But whenever there's an addiction, there's also a branch, isn't there? And you'll find that that branch very often is the root of rebellion or the root of rejection. Right? And it's important to be able to minister to the particular root. So when you're ministering to people, try to understand what gang is that particular spirit operating in. Because they often come in groups. The other thing that we see from scripture, if you look in Mark 5 verse 9, you don't necessarily have to turn there. Do you remember the story of the man called Legion? Remember when you asked, what's, what's your name? And it says, our name is Legion, for we are many. Amen? For we are many. And remember that they were cast out of this individual, and where did they end up going? They said, just please, 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 please. Can we at least go into these pigs? Don't torment us before our time. When you study scripture, you'll see that there are certain fallen angels, a certain group of fallen angels that are already being tormented right now. But there's some that are not, and I don't know why. Right? Go and read in scripture. But what is interesting is that with these demons, they know their end. And that's why they're afraid, not of every Christian, they're afraid of Christians who know their authority. Amen? You don't have to be afraid of demons. You must just know your authority. Right? And what is interesting is, they're like, we would rather go into this herd of in the front right they would rather be in a body than just be cast out that's how desperate they are to not be cast out amen so there's an interesting principle that we learn here i'm just going to use the other mic for now there's an interesting principle that we learn here and the principle is that there are laws in the spirit realm that are not the same as the laws in the physical. One of the laws in the physical is that two things cannot occupy the same space. Amen? If Jimmy was standing here, I can't be in the exact same position as Jimmy. Amen? Because there's a physical aspect of our being. He has to stand next to me. Amen? All right. But in the spirit, is different. In the spirit, you can have 100 demons occupying the same physical space you understand so please just because someone is physically tiny and if you are ministering freedom to that individual don't think to yourself like ah no they can't have five demons in them they're so physically small they can just because you're dealing with a baby and you find that you're praying and you're breaking all sorts of things and you find this is now the seventh demon i'm casting out Ah, no, it can't be. This is too many for a baby. Newsflash. A lot of demonic activity that happens in people's lives kicks in when they're still little babies. And that's why we need to pray for our kids. Why? Because the spiritual pressure that little kids have beneath the age of five, beneath the age of 10, can be quite a lot, especially people who grew up where there's lots of anger, lots of rage, people from families where there was divorce, that child might look all innocent and fine because they're a little child. But the battles they have to face later on, they don't need to have faced. They don't need to have gone through because we can pray for them. And we can teach our children how to resist things spiritually. Amen? Very important. Very important. So many can occupy one space. Other interesting thing we see in Mark chapter 16, verse 9, Mark chapter 16, verse 9, is that they can perform signs and wonders. They can perform what? Signs and wonders. It says, now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons okay let me continue so that's that's to do with the issue of space okay Mary Magdalene from which he had cast out seven demons all right um in Luke chapter 11 verse 14 it says now he was casting out a demon that was mute when the demon had gone out the mute man spoke and the people marveled Okay, so there are certain demonic spirits that affect sicknesses, right? And then here's the one about the signs, signs and wonders. Revelation 16, verse 13 to 14. It says, and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the what? False prophet. three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are what? Demonic spirits performing signs. So there are a lot of false prophets around that are performing signs, but there's a certain grouping of people that really love signs and wonders, but don't know how to differentiate between... The ones that are false and the ones that are true. The real thing and the counterfeit. The Bible tells us that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Question, is Jesus being lifted up? Are they preaching the true gospel? Is the focus on Jesus or is it on, oh, that special water from this person or that special doom? Oh, just spray it. What, what is the focus? Amen. The Bible tells us that believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's what the Bible tells us. That's our methodology of healing the sick. Okay. Now there are times when God might say to you as a once off, go and do this. Because remember Jesus, he went and then he spat to the ground, spat onto the ground and he mixed a mixture, right? Made some mud and he healed someone who was blind. All right. All right. He healed someone who was blind, right? We see that happening. So if God leads you to do something quite unique and so on, make sure it's God leading you, but don't make a doctrine out of it. Amen. So we see that demons can also perform signs. They lie and entice. They lie and entice. First Kings chapter 22, verse 21 to 23 it says here then the spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying I will entice him I will entice him and the Lord said to him by what means and he said I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets I'll go out and I'll be a what a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets could it be that certain politicians today are bound by a lying spirit could it be that there are people you know that you deal with that are bound by a lying spirit you know it's been found that psychotic liars very often aren't even aware of the fact that they're lying they aren't even aware of it and that's why sometimes they actually pass those polygraph tests right because they're not even aware. There's no anxiety associated with lying for them, right? And that's what happens when there's a lying spirit operating. And maybe some of you, you might be related to people like this, right? Where they're compulsive liars. If they're a Christian, they should be renouncing it. And you should be rebuking that lying spirit from them. Amen? Amen? Yeah. I'm going to actually just do this all right so they lie and they entice and he said you are to entice him and you shall succeed go out and do so now therefore behold the lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets the lord has declared disaster for you i want to say something here some people go to witch doctors and they don't realize that very often there's a lying spirit functioning through these witch doctors, these sangomas. And there's a lot of harm caused in a lot of families. Why? Because you see people coming out so confident saying, e, my brother bewitched me. And then now your brother is your enemy for your whole life because you were told this thing and you just believed it. And you know why you believed it? Because that particular witch doctor had just told you something about yourself that only you knew they were working with the spirit of divination right an evil spirit that had been studying you and following you in your life that obviously knew bad events and if you notice it's always bad events that they'll talk about because those are the things that the demons know about because they're the ones that caused those bad things amen Amen. this has happened to you this happened. then you're like oh then the you open your heart to that false prophet which people call a sangoma right You open your heart, and now anything they then say, even if it's from a lying spirit, you believe it, and it causes division in your family. Amen. And some of you haven't been interacting with certain family members for years because of what you were told by a lying spirit. So, those are some characteristics with regards to demonic spirits. I want to now highlight how demons are personalities. And I want to show you from scripture why we say they're personalities. They're intelligent persons. They're actual persons that are disembodied. You understand that, right? What makes a person a person? They've got those qualities. They've got those qualities. I'll show you now very quickly. James 2 verse 19. It says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So they're afraid they feel certain feelings they have emotions amen and how many of you know that they can pass on those emotions you understand what i'm saying they can pass on those emotions so when you find yourself being harassed by a particular spirit and you will find the whole day then all of a sudden you're now feeling fearful often it's a spirit of fear Guys, this happens to wonderful Bible-believing Christians. Amen? The other day, it was interesting for me because sometimes when I'm physically tired, I think it's just normal tiredness. Then I was sitting down and I started singing that song by Tasha Cobbs. The well, I don't know if it's originally by her, but she does the cover, Fill Me Up. Remember that song? Fill Me Up. And I begin to sing that song only for a few seconds and this thing lifted off me amen other day everyone at home was in a good mood it was the monday just before the holiday the monday just before the tuesday my wife was in a good mood she was in a good mood doing things that showed me she was in a very good mood okay won't go into the detail right the kids were also in a good mood they were like dad we're gonna have a a dancing competition and i'm the dj then i have to play certain music for them right at a certain point my wife says to me are you okay is everything fine and I'm like I am okay I'm just very tired and you know when this thing rises in you're like people don't understand I've had a full day but as I sat there I started to feel like this thing sitting on my head and I realized wait a minute this is not natural tiredness there's something else operating that's trying to affect my mood to mess up the holiday that we're about to go into began to pray in other tongues for just a couple of minutes, and my mood changed. For those of you who get anxious or depressed quite easily, please don't embrace it as, this is just how I'm feeling, and it's me, and it's part of my personality. The devil wants you to think that so that you embrace it. Oh, I'm just a melancholic type, Paul. I'm not like those people over there. All right? Recognize the strategy of the enemy, because I'm telling you right now, it happens at specific times it will happen at times when you can interpret it as something else amen oh it's because I've had a hard day at work but when the other days you had a hard day at work but you were fine remember I said to you the enemy would rather go underground than be cast out I would rather cast him out than call it something else amen Mark 3, verse 11. Mark 3, verse 11 says, And whenever the unclean spirits saw him. So we see that unclean spirits see. If you've got objects in your house that don't belong to God's kingdom, get rid of those objects. We'll talk about that in a while. Because you see, demons recognize certain things. They recognize that, oh, that belongs to our kingdom. Oh, that belongs to our kingdom. Regardless of how much it costs and who gave it to you, get rid of it don't have a mindset of like but this is a wonderful heirloom this is so sentimental it's from my late grandmother that's nice and cute but the enemy has a foothold in your household because of those things amen i don't care how much you liked your grandmother amen and so we see this we see this remember the enemy disguises himself So he's not going to just come out and say, I am the devil and these are evil spirits. Because of course, as a Christian, you'll be like, oh, get thee behind me, Satan. So he comes in other forms. And that's why you'll find that the same spirits very often that the shamans in Native American Indian society use are the same spirits, very similar, that manifest in ancestral worship on the African continent. They just disguise themselves in a way that is culturally acceptable. Amen? If a demonic spirit manifests and says, I'm your dead grandfather, and you liked that particular grandfather, it's very difficult for people to just cast out that devil and say, you know, grandfather so-and-so, I rebuke you. (laughs) Now, I want to tell you something that it's not your dead grandfather. Your, Your dead grandfather is dead right it's a demonic spirit a familiar spirit that is pretending to be your dead grandfather so that it's more acceptable to you amen but you're the one who still ends up bound because that's a foothold you're giving the enemy in a couple of weeks we're going to talk about the occult we're going to talk about how to get free from that if there's been any involvement in your family or yourself with regards to that so it says here in mark 3 verse 11 and whenever the unclean spirits saw him they fell down before him and cried out you are the son of god how many of you know that very often because of the authority that you carry demons have to obey you amen they can't just do their own thing in your presence if you know your authority 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your, ad, your adversary, in other words, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So they seek and they search. That's what they do. James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll do what? He will flee. So they are afraid of certain things. Right? Matthew 8, verse 29. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? They're afraid of certain things, and they actually can make certain requests, like they did with Jesus. Acts chapter 19, verse 13 to 16. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, "I adjure you by the by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims." Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered him, answered them, "Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize." Those are two different words, by the way. <laughs> Those are two different words. There's a degree of knowing and recognition. Amen? Yes. Right? Those are two different words. There's a Greek word which means to know absolutely. So they're saying, Jesus, we know absolutely. Paul, we have an acquaintance with. Paul, we recognize. It's two different words in the original language. One is gnosco, and the other one is epistemi. Okay? That means to be acquainted with, to recognize. Are you known in the spirit realm? Are you known in the realm of the spirit? Someone once asked Lester Sumrall. Some of you might know a great apostle from the last century called Dr. Lester Sumrall. Someone once asked him the question. What do you think the devil thinks of you? When you what do you think he thinks of you? And he says, well, the one thing I know is that when I get up in the morning, the devil is scared and he's like, oh, he's already up. He's already up. He's already up. My question to you is, when you get up in the morning are demons scared because they know here comes trouble or are they indifferent because you don't know your authority are they indifferent towards you because you don't actually make a difference you don't pray strong prayers you don't minister to people you're just like someone who's unsaved you've got your fire insurance you know you're going to heaven right you're born again but you're not effective is the devil scared of you? So here it's interesting. He says, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them. So we see that demonic spirits have the ability to empower people physically. There's some things that people do physically where you can see that, wait a minute, this person has been empowered by a demon. Amen. That's why sometimes in deliverance situations you can have someone who's a tiny little girl but all of a sudden seems to be extremely powerful physically. There's some people who fight, who do all this wrestling stuff and so on but they're starting to rely on powers that are not just their normal natural physical power. You you understand what I'm saying, right? There's some people who do certain things. I remember a particular pastor and he'll talk about what he used to do he was unsaved and subsequently also then fell into some sin but it was almost like he was proud of it or something when he would share some of the testimonies and i remember he would say you know what i would sleep with eight different women in one night how many of you know that that requires demonic assistance (laughs) i know some guys are thinking oh lord please just help me just in my sphere my small sphere please i need help amen that requires demonic assistance it's not natural if if some of you if that's if some of you feel it's natural then i don't know maybe you can teach other people but <laughs> and it's interesting because it says and the man in whom the, was the evil spirit leapt on them mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded They didn't know their authority. How many of you know that our authority in God, the believer's authority, comes from a place of intimacy with him? It's not a case of, oh, there's some secret formula. You know, people went to satanic worship and that kind of thing. They talk about incantations, incantations. Oh, you just say the right thing. Oh, so pastor, tell me, how should I pray this prayer? And they bring that into the church. It's not about getting the exact words right. In the end, we're going to pray certain prayers. It's not some formula. Oh, what? how did he pray it? Which word do you use? Oh, let me do it. Do I do it in King James or New King James? Or is it okay? Is it still powerful if I pray a prayer, if I pray scripture and it's through the message? It's the message Bible. It's not about that. It's about knowing Jesus and knowing your authority. Amen. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 18. says as we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain for by fortune telling now guys this must this is a slave girl probably quite pretty looked quite innocent but she had the spirit functioning through her and she made money for people right she followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Was that true? It was true. So we see that demonic spirits often have an awareness of the people who are preaching the true gospel. Because they're the ones who come with seducing spirits. The Bible talks about seducing spirits. The seducer of the faith. Doctrines of devils. Right? Right? for people to preach error so they know when it's the truth they can recognize it and they can say oh these people are speaking the truth now he could have carried on and just been like oh that's fine but how many of you know that was probably disturbing their work and that's what demons do they disturb the work of the lord and that's why it's important that when we have meetings that nothing disturbs the flow of the spirit in a particular meeting, even if it's saying and declaring the correct thing. How I many of you know that you can have someone coming up and prophesying, but it's disturbing the flow. Amen? So we see here that these apostles were able to discern the gift of discerning of spirits that, "Wait a minute, this is not just a slave girl declaring truth. There's something else behind this. Amen. And says, and, and this she kept doing for many days. Should he have cast it out earlier? Was he being patient? Was he being a gentleman? I don't know. Paul, having become greatly annoyed. I don't know if you know that sometimes there are people who annoy you. And the reason they are annoying you so much is because of the spirits they carry. There's some people who carry a contrary spirit and they're saying all the right stuff. I've seen it in church sometimes. You'll have someone coming up and they're saying the right stuff, but you can see there's a religious spirit behind it. Okay? And you become greatly annoyed and you're like, why am I finding this thing annoying? Having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the... Slave, go? No. And said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Amen. Luke chapter 4, verse 44. And demons also came out of many, crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So they know certain things. They have knowledge. Okay? First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. How I many of you know people who've departed from the faith? How I many of you know that when they depart from the faith, they're not just saying, oh, I don't believe in God anymore. There are other ways of departing from the faith. It says some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits. And teachings of? Teachings of? So demons teach. Do they just float about in the air and teach? No, they teach through people. Amen? And these are deceitful spirits that people actually devote themselves to. They teach through books. That's why you'll notice that there are certain best-selling books out there. And people think that they're Christian books. I was at a bookshop the one day and I saw that book, um, Conversations with God. And it was under the Christian section. And I said to one of the leaders in the bookshop, I said, this shouldn't be here. It shouldn't be under the Christian section. It should be under world religions. It should be elsewhere, not here because Christians start thinking, oh, this is wonderful, and they get hooked. How many of you have read certain new age books and you literally can't put them down? Yeah? It happens, doesn't it? And you can see that there's a spirit that is operating, that is enticing you around it. That's why some books have become cultish. They have a cult following around them, and they sell a lot, and I'll explain to you someday why they sell a lot. Right? It's the same with certain songs, by the way. We'll talk about that when we talk about the occult on another day. Okay? Luke chapter 8, verse 28. It says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Isn't that great when demons can say, what what do you have to do with me? (sighs) Because you know your authority. So these are the principles we see in terms of characteristics of demons. Why we say that they are personalities, intelligent personalities. They can teach, deceive and seduce. I would sometimes see it when people would abuse alcohol. That wouldn't just be a case of them going and boozing. But they would even say things to themselves. They would even be saying things and you can literally see the lure of a particular spirit in operation. That's one of the reasons some people say, no, I'm, 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 I just do it socially. And whenever I then do it, then I just get drunk. But it's just social. They're fine when they're by themselves. But when there's a group of people who are also bound by that particular spirit, what happens? That's why are certain sins people fall into when they're with a certain group of people. Okay. It's important to understand what do the people I associate with carry, so they can teach, deceive, and seduce. They can they can say statements of truth. They empower people physically. They see and recognize. They speak. They believe. Says they believe and they tremble. Okay. They flee, meaning they have a will. Do I stay? No, I want to go. They have a will. They are intelligent. They're self-aware, they feel, they feel scared, frightened, they remember. Demons don't know everything. They're not omniscient like God. They don't know everything, right? But they remember. So demons associated with your family will study you. They'll study your patterns. They'll study the patterns of weakness in your family, right? And they know when it's an opportunity to attack, when it's an opportunity to enter but you must also know they have knowledge, they can suggest and influence, they like and dislike they make requests please don't, don't, don't just let us go into that herd of pigs they seek and they search and they are opportunists amen so what do we mean by demonic entrance what are we actually talking about what is interesting is that the scriptures don't actually use the term possession okay i know that the new king i know that the king james does that right but when you actually look in scripture it's interesting because it just says this person was influenced someone was under the influence of a an evil spirit all right and then in some cases you have someone who was severely influenced by a demonic spirit. And one of the reasons why a lot of Christians will resist being prayed for and having a devil bound or cast out from them is that they think we're talking about possession because that's the word that has been used. And they're offended. How can you say I've got a demon? How can you say, oh, how can you? Let me say something. If you look at most of Jesus's ministry, most of it was, I'm talking about his deliverance ministry. It was ordinary people like you and me. A lot of it happened in the synagogue. Amen. It was ordinary people like you and me. They're the extreme cases of the guy at Gatherings Legion. This person was not in his right mind, and this person couldn't even interact with people. People would avoid him. So if you're going to talk about possession, if you're going to talk about someone who's severely demonized, where his whole life is controlled by demonic spirits, like all of his life, the person is probably in solitary confinement, either in prison or in a mental institution, where they literally can't function out here. Does that make sense? Okay. But a lot of people around, the Bible tells us the whole world is under the influence of the evil one. Under the influence of the evil one. A lot of people have given territory to the enemy in specific areas. You know the areas in your life where you want to do good but you keep struggling. You know those areas. Okay? And it's important that we address these things spiritually. Amen. These spirits, when they enter, they've got an interesting agenda. Agenda number one is to stop people from getting saved. That's what the enemy is trying to do. Demonic spirits, their main assignment is to stop people from getting saved. So if it means they just are religious, but have no intimate relationship with Jesus, then that's fine. Ah, He's got them in that corner. If you then are saved... If you're already saved, the enemy's agenda is to stop you from being effective as a Christian. It's to stop you from fulfilling your assignment. Even if it's through lying spirits that say to you, Ah, don't worry, you'll just always be in the background. Just be in the background. That's okay. Because that's where humility comes from. Just, it's fine. But you're called to speak before people. Then that's Okay. If many Christians knew what they were called to, they wouldn't be living the lifestyles they're living right now. If you knew the fullness of the call of God on your life, you wouldn't be living the lifestyle that you're living right now. I'm not saying it's a bad lifestyle. I'm just saying many of us live in a place of it's us for and no more. Just as long as my family is sorted and I'm a good Christian person and I remain faithful to my husband or faithful to my wife, then I'm okay. Do you remember what happened Jacob and Esau? Jacob and Esau. Esau was supposed to get the blessing, but he preferred the lentil soup. Could it be that you're in a situation where God's agenda for your life is greatness, but you've chosen the lentil soup? Enemy's agenda, his assignment is to stop people from getting saved. If they get saved is to stop them from accomplishing their purpose in God. They have an agenda to defile you, to torment you and to enslave you, to defile, to torment and to enslave. <clears throat> so how do you know that darkness has entered? How do you know that darkness has entered? Very often there's restlessness. there isn't that deep settledness in you number two sudden anger for no reason where you just have these outbursts of anger and you don't know where it's come from violent outbursts where you change from your usual personality and your usual mood compulsive change of direction when someone is saying one thing to you and then they wake up the next morning and they're going in a completely different direction and you're like but we haven't even discussed this where did it where did it all come from just impulsively moving in a different direction these are some signs that maybe darkness has entered i see it with a number of people when it comes to people when they leave the church can i go there signs when people leave the church a lot of times it's actually demonic a lot of times. Because more often than not, I don't see them in a better place spiritually afterwards. You see, it's great, and we send people out with blessing when they go and they move on and they're in another church and they're flourishing. But a pattern I've begun to see is marriages breaking up after they leave church. I wasn't looking for it, someone pointed it out to me. Then I was counseling a particular uh, person quite recently. And I said, so what's happening? Because they needed marriage counseling. What's going on? And they said, well, it all started when we left Go Church. Like, okay, I'm not looking for it. Then it happens again, and I'm speaking to someone else. Uh, Well, you see, it happened from the time we left Go Church. Sometimes we say these things and they get misunderstood. I'm fine if what I'm saying is being misunderstood. That's okay. I've said what I need to say. Right? I'm comfortable being misunderstood. Amen? But we're seeing this happening when people have a sudden change where one week it's we will serve. Oh, we want to be involved. Oh, where are the needs? What can we do? And then the following week it's complete opposite direction or you never see them again. Please, this is not everyone who leaves, okay? Then you say, What happened? There's a devil on the loose. Simple as that. Inability to stop talking, inability to read the Bible, anything that stops you from reading your Bible very often is demonically inspired. I used to see it when we were growing up. We used to have devotions at home. I've got three brothers, they're four boys in our family, no girls. And I used to see it happening. Whenever we would have evening devotions, my dad and my older brother David would just fall asleep. They, they might have been in a situation where they were engaging. My dad will be talking to Dave about business and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, we laugh about it today. And they would even say themselves, even my dad will then say like, Hey, the en- I think the enemy is robbing us. Hey, what happened? All of a sudden we start doing devotions. There are f- strong spirits of slumber that stop people from coming to church. Where for some of you, you fall asleep, and I get to see it because I'm actually, I see the people. Where some of you, you fall asleep, and I know my preaching isn't bad, you fall asleep. <laughs> but as soon as we say, okay, altar call, we now, we've now closed the service, you're the most energetic. <laughs> you can sit and you can watch a long movie, those three-hour movies. You can watch Braveheart for more than three hours, but you complain if the preacher goes beyond 45 minutes. Amen? Amen. Spirits of slumber. When you're at home and you decide, no, I'm going to engage with the Lord. I'm going to start praying, pressing in. All of a sudden you start feeling tired and you want to sleep. There's spirits that stop us from being effective spiritually. Obsessive behavior. It drives you. Some people talk about the spirit of gluttony and they say, you know what? I think I've got this thing because I can literally see myself going to the fridge as if it's someone else. I don't know if any of you experience that. I can see myself going to the fridge, getting that particular thing coming back. It just, it's like pulls me. And people joke about it. It's like the chocolate, it just calls out and says, please, please eat me, (laughs) eat me, eat me. Okay? The devil made me do it. All right? Let me just say something. Let me just say something. People who come from backgrounds where they're quite open to alcohol, right? You find that if they've got a spirit of rejection or something that causes them to go, the branch that causes them to then go off to the alcohol, right? Then they get addicted. That happens. But with a lot of people where they don't necessarily drink alcohol, a lot of times it's the spirit of gluttony but it's still an addiction. Are you following me? So they look and they say, oh, that person has got a drinking problem. Oh, they've got a... But you've also got your addictions. Sometimes the addiction a lot of Christians have is perfectionism, where they have to have 100% for everything. If it's not 100%, then it's a disaster. Even if it was 90%. So you get addicted to getting 100%. You get caught up in workaholism. It's a form of addiction. Amen? So that's obsessive behavior. Fixation or obsession with a particular person, ministry, or doctrine. Watch out for that. When someone is just talking about that one person, that one prophet, and everything is that one prophet. Watch out. Intense guilt, shame, and self-hatred. You feel comfortable berating yourself. That's a way of cursing yourself. Respect yourself enough so that you don't say evil things about yourself. Oh, silly me. Don't say that. Would you say that to someone else? Respect yourself enough not to say those things. Okay? It's intense guilt, shame, and self-hatred. Okay? Persistent illness. Often you can tell that an illness has come by way of a spirit of infirmity. You can tell when the thing keeps moving. You pray for someone... Who's got ulcers? And they're like, oh, I'm healed. Two weeks later, they've got extreme migraines. You pray for that. Oh, I'm healed. Next week, it's cancer or something else. You're dealing with a spirit of infirmity where it's refusing to go, but it hides and comes out as something else. Irrational thoughts like suicide. That's the spirit of death usually all right murderous thoughts like i actually felt like killing person x i know as christians we don't like admitting those things but i mean if you know that in order to experience your full deliverance you have to call something what it is amen if you if you've been involved for example in an abortion when you're confessing it when you're renouncing that thing don't say lord please forgive me for the abortion that i carried out or the abortion that i sanctioned call it murder You understand what I'm saying? Call it what it is. When you repent of something, you have to repent of what it is. Not the label that society gives it. Amen? I'm just saying for the sake of deliverance, for the sake of breaking certain things. All right? Addictive behavior, demons of gluttony, alcoholism, drugs, irrational thoughts, unnatural desire to sleep. Often this stops you from going to church. Things that stop you from reading your Bible. Sometimes it's the baby suddenly crying before church. How many of you have found that your baby is fine? And then Sunday morning, you get frustrated. You start fighting as a couple. Amen? You see it happening. How many of you find that Sunday morning, that's when you have some of your biggest fights before coming to church? Huh? your husband is not your enemy your wife is not your enemy then also we see that there's strange manifestations when being baptized or baptism in the spirit you know sometimes things happen to people when they're being baptized filled with the holy spirit things happen to them and then people say was that the devil or was that the holy spirit sometimes it was both sometimes it was both The Holy Spirit was coming and filling up that individual and the enemy was being expelled. You understand? Excuse me. You see it happening in water baptisms also. A lot of deliverances happen when people are being water baptized. Amen? I was going to go into steps for freedom, but I'm going to leave that for next week. Right? But what I'm going to do now is we're going to pray. And there are basic steps we're going to pray into right the first thing you do these are steps to freedom is identifying any flesh pattern so as i've been speaking about these things i'm sure i hope you've been identifying specific things right and then what you do is B. you confess it the word confess means to say the same as to agree with that's true lord you've shown me this thing in my life right and then you repent and what's repentance To change your mind concerning that thing. That the way I shouted my wife is actually wrong. I repent of that. That the way I get into those funny sort of relationships is wrong. I repent of that. Right? And then the third dimension is you renounce. So confess, repent, and renounce. What is to renounce? It's to forbid. It's to formally declare one's abandonment of a particular thing. Amen? Amen? So you would say, Lord, I confess that I've participated in X and I renounce this particular activity. Thank you that in Christ I'm forgiven. That's how you're dealing with the thing that has given the enemy a foothold in your life. And then the third part is you cast out any spirits that might be empowering that behavior. The fourth part is you announce elements of the kingdom of light to displace the elements of the kingdom of darkness. So for example, if you've been involved in the occult, you would say, I renounce ever signing my name over to Satan or having had my name signed over to Satan. And then you, that's the renouncing, but then you announce the opposite. I announce that my name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? I renounce ever eating of flesh or drinking of blood for satanic worship or even ancestralism. Things offered to idols. You renounce that. Then you say, by faith I take Holy Communion, which represents the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Renouncing certain things, announcing the kingdom of light. And then E, or number five, you renew your mind according to the word. Amen? Does everyone get that? Those stages. Very powerful. The last part is you cleanse your home. If there are any objects, anything that is giving the enemy a foothold, you get rid of it. Matthew 5 29 Jesus says if your right eye causes you to stumble gouge it out and throw it away it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell acts 19 verse 19 says this included a number of people who practice sorcery what did they do they collected their sorcery texts and burned them publicly how much did these things cost? Very expensive. The value of those materials was calculated at more than someone what someone would make if they worked for 165 years. Doesn't matter how expensive the thing is. If it's causing you to sin, if it's creating a stronghold in your family, get rid of it. Amen.